Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash We Do It All. As always, I am your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay Hizzle over there in the six. How you doing, baby? Chilling, chilling. Ready to talk about these Spurs. Man, you already know. We, we talking about a great franchise, a winning franchise. We're talking about the San Antonio Spurs. So, you know, we couldn't just bring on any ordinary guest, man. We had to bring on somebody that's knowledgeable about the Spurs and knows a lot, man. So we had to bring on Carl. Carl, we are very excited to have you on. I don't know if you want to introduce yourself to the fans, say a little bit about yourself and how you became a Spurs fan. Yeah, what's up, y'all? Yeah, I grew up a Spurs fan. Uh, My dad did the radio play-by-play broadcast from uh, 2001 until present day. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, definitely an experience seeing it from uh, that kind of perspective. And uh, then uh, I decided to be a sports broadcaster myself. So I went on to uh, just go to Texas State University, get opportunities there. And uh, not too long after I graduated, I started doing the what was then the D-League Austin Spurs broadcast. And uh, then the next year, they were the G-League. And uh, as you all probably know, Derek White was on assignment and they went ahead and won the first G-League championship. So uh, until last year, when the uh, gobble was mainly just G-League produced, I had been uh, working with the Austin Spurs and um then in july we uh started a a, i was part of a rebranding of the espn radio station down here in san antonio and uh now i am the producer of the morning show at uh san sports star is the name of the station and uh the midday host uh for uh the show as well so uh exciting times in san antonio lots of change but yeah uh, i i'm definitely uh excited to uh, be on with you guys thanks for uh, thinking of me yeah, no problem, man. So, yeah, we are very happy to have you on. Clearly a very knowledgeable fan, man. So as long as uh, as long as all that's out the way, uh, are you guys ready to get into the Spurs talk? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Get it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Carl, uh, Carl the first question that we like to ask your fans for these uh, fans interview is, Carl, as a Spurs fan, are you content with the way the year went? It was a rough year. It was a, it was a COVID year, and it was uh, I, I, and content is a funny word. It's you got to deal with what you got to deal with. But before they were hit with COVID, uh, they were in their last twenty one games before they were hit with COVID. The Spurs went fourteen and seven, and it looked like they had started to find a stride, and the the youth had picked it up, and uh, the the they had started to find some kind of chemistry. And then everything went crashing down. Obviously, they had some guys who couldn't play right away. And I think there were some lingering effects for some of the players that caught COVID. And uh, then there was just the ridiculous schedule where they did not have consecutive days off the final, I don't know, two months of the season, something like that. And uh, when you're a young squad like the Spurs were last year, you need that practice time. You didn't get that training camp that you would usually in a non-COVID year. So, uh, there, there were definitely some things that uh, went against the Spurs and it led to them being in the lottery for the second time in a row. And uh, obviously they uh, ended up taking the 12th overall pick and uh, they said goodbye to their vets that uh, went on to uh, be with contenders or uh, perhaps different teams that maybe contend with uh, 
Corgi Zhang being one of the guys that ended up in Atlanta. It was Patty Mills going to Brooklyn, DeMar going to Chicago, and Rudy going to Utah. But the the Spurs had been doing a good job in the draft since 2016 when they started with DeJounte Murray with the 29th overall pick. I mentioned Derek White and then Lonnie Walker the following year. And uh, Luka Shamanich, who is somebody that not most NBA fans know, but he will be taking a step forward this next year. And uh, Keldon Johnson, obviously, who just came off of an Olympic gold medal team. So he has that experience in his pocket as a 21-year-old. And uh, th- there's a, there's an interesting content being the, the word. I'm excited for the future, even though uh, it's an uncertain future because all these guys are uh, 25 and under, except for Derek White, who's the uh, – older one among them who I think is 27 and uh, it's it's their turn to just kind of take the reins they've uh, put in their work and paid their dues going through the development process in Austin and uh, I think if uh, you guys were to say would you prefer it if uh, the vets came back or if the young guys got the reins I'm happy the Spurs gave the young guys the reins yeah, yeah, de- de- definitely. It definitely was a, a, a rough year for, you know, for the Spurs as far as, uh, I mean, really for everyone because of COVID and, and, and like how you guys said, mentioned, you guys are kind of in the middle of, of these uh, shipping out the vets and, and, and having, and having all these young guys. So that, ma- so that made it a, r- a real difficult year for you guys, but you know, uh, Carl, I, I want to ask you a question. You know, you mentioned that your dad uh, has been, has been with the Spurs, you know, since 2001 until present day. So clearly, you know, you've been a long, a long time Spurs fan in, in, in the loop. And I got to ask, you know, how, how does that feel, especially throughout these past couple of years? Because I mean, we all know the Spurs is, is you know, one of the best franchises. They're known as a winning franchise, you know, before uh, this year and the, and the year prior, they, the Spurs had made the playoffs 22 years in a row and they were competing every single year. But, you know, at times are changing. Uh, like how you mentioned these, these young guys, they're starting to take the forefront of Spurs basketball. So to you, you know, as a, as a Spurs fan that you've seen Tim and all the winning and, and just Greg Popovich when he's just on top of the game, but now at times are changing. So how does that feel uh, compared to then and compared to now? <laughs> you're, you're never going to see anything like that. The the winningest trio of all time, those guys didn't demand trades. They didn't demand uh, to be the guy. All three of them sort of sacrificed their individual accolades and uh, chances to, you know, lead the league in scoring or uh, be ball dominant uh, to, to really be part of a team. And they bought into the Greg Popich philosophy. And when you have an all-time great like Tim Duncan, who's willing to do that, you have to appreciate it while it's here and, and now it's not anymore. And the, the Spurs obviously looked like they were going to have something special with Kawhi Leonard. And uh, that kind of fell through as he was one of those guys that maybe wanted to go somewhere else to uh, play a little different style and be the guy in uh, his home state of California. So yeah, that's a, uh, you know, that that's a, uh, you roll with the punches because everybody seems to have somebody who, maybe at some point gets disgruntled and the, as a fan, there's nothing you can do, but support the team. And the, the Spurs did a good job of never really bottoming out. It's not like it was ever miserable to watch the Spurs. They, they always went out and competed. And uh, there, there were times where I thought that they maybe were a break away from really 
getting over a hump and not really missing a beat when Kawhi left. Obviously, they took the Denver Nuggets as a uh, seven seed to a seven game series. And there are people within the Spurs who, you know, Spurs fan base who think that DeMar DeRozan uh, should have gone to the free throw line for a chance to win that series late in the game. And obviously, uh, there was uh, the next year where Marcus Morris snubbed the Spurs. And in order to create the cap space for Morris, the Spurs traded away one of their best shooters in Davis Bertans. So uh, shooting has been a little bit harder to come by for the Spurs, especially last year. They were one of the teams that uh, was not so much of a threat from out there. But this, this time around, uh, this young group, obviously you're not going to say that any of these players are, comparable to Tim Duncan or MVP candidates, but they, they have their own special flavor of being the next generation of Spurs players. Now that the Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay Spurs book has been closed. And uh, I'm also a 76ers fan. So I, I know what it's like Then uh, Spurs fans don't obviously understand this, but I know what it's like to, to watch a bad team and just be frustrated with the product put out on the floor uh, because obviously those process 76ers were trying to lose, uh, but or not the players, but the, the organization, if you will. And uh, the Spurs organization, they're, they're all about establishing a winning culture. The, the guys right now, they hear all of the noise that's going around about how uh, Vegas has them as over under 28 and a half wins. Uh, they're not really getting the respect from the national media with only one ESPN game. So, the, the West is still tough. It's hard for me to actually put a number on it, but there will be better than people think because uh, as somebody who's watched them develop in the Austin and the G League setup, that's, uh, that's actually the way of the future because we have to pluck these guys out of high school or one year removed from college, and they're not quite ready to play in a men's league, and the Spurs bring them along slowly, and that's really better for their long-term development as opposed to just sort of uh, – saying, hey, we just drafted you with our first-round pick. You're 19 years old. You might not be ready to play against these established NBA veterans. And then those guys kind of lose confidence. I'm sure you can name a dozen lottery picks that have just fallen out that you had higher expectations for. But the Spurs have been able to turn their first-round picks into above-average role players and potential stars. We'll see if any of them have uh, all-stars in the future, but that's a big part because they did bring them along slowly and correctly to really find their footing in the NBA and uh, learn to walk before they run. Yeah, man. And, 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 you know, Carl, you bring up how the Spurs are able to, uh, to build up these role players. And, 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 and that's one thing that we've, we've all, we've always known that the Spurs, you know, the Spurs are able to, to find someone that, that, that no one knew about, man. So that, so I definitely agree with that, but Carl, you know, I got to ask you a question. There's a huge elephant in the room over there in San Antonio. And I mean, not anymore, actually, the the elephant just went to Chicago, but I got to ask you, so now that he's gone, how did how did you feel about DeMar DeRozan? And I want to get your perspective, like, as a Spurs fan, because, you know, of course, DeMar DeRozan is a good player. Uh, I, n- I never doubted him as a player, but I just never felt that he was the right fit for the Spurs and their tra- and their direction that they wanted to go in, especially, like, the way that the way that he got to the Spurs. You know, you know the Raptors did him shady. And I, I actually even, even was uh, listening to uh, – to Shannon Sharp's podcast, you know, Club Shay Shay, shout out to Club Shay Shay. And, and he was on there and he was talking about how it actually haunted him mentally 
the how the Raptors did him so dirty and how the Raptors next year went on to win a championship. And he said that it, me- it messed up his games. And it wasn't until a couple of months ago that he felt that now he's a, a whole new player and he's just totally forgotten about that. But Carl, I want to get your perspective as a Spurs fan. How did you feel about DeMar and his, his fit as a Spur? He was somebody who, as personality-wise, professional, good guy, and he was a bucket. You, you knew what you were going to get. But when it came down to it, yeah, I think there was a little bit of uh, an awkward situation where both the the Spurs and DeMar were maybe expecting and hoping that their other previous relationship would work out better. Obviously, DeMar left money on the table to stay in Toronto. And uh, those kind of uh, loyalty, American Americans showing loyalty to Toronto are hard to were have been hard to come by for the Raptors, I should say. And the Spurs obviously would have loved it if Kawhi Leonard had said, hey, I want to be a San Antonio Spur, signed the Supermax or, or what have you that they were – going to offer him and that he was uh, interested in taking but obviously that that was a very public falling out between the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard and then if you're the Toronto Raptors you do have to look at it and say maybe they capped out with DeMar DeRozan it was a 59 win team so obviously they if I'm not mistaken they had the best record in the east that year if not they were the two seed and uh, that might have been the year that Atlanta was also uh, up there in the 60 win column but they, they were pretty good and um yeah if, if I'm not mistaken DeMar just kind of uh got them as far as they felt like they were, DeMar was going to be able to take them. And when you can upgrade your best player to somebody like a Kawhi Leonard, who was an MVP candidate, and uh, we all know how that ended for them. They also got Danny Green, who uh, the Spurs really miss uh, as a 3 and D guy. That was a, that was a good trade for Toronto. And I understand that DeMar, uh, according to reports, was told you're not going to be traded. And sure enough, they trade him and, uh, then in San Antonio, they, they were just trying to figure out how to get that next guy because they had the two guys. They needed a third guy. It was a, it was a big two with LaMarcus and DeMar, and both of those guys were great, but they needed a third guy. They never really brought him in. Rudy Gay was a great complimentary fourth guy, and uh, I think there was some – you know, conversations, uh, anytime somebody was up for grabs, but the Spurs couldn't quite get that third guy. And then uh, they did develop their youth, and it DeMar just is in the wrong side of his 30s. If he were a little younger and fit with the timeline, the youth loved DeMar. He was great to be around for those guys. But uh, overall, it just didn't work out. It, it, and, you know, it's good for DeMar. He's going to get his money. He's going to go with a, a good team in Chicago. But uh, at the end of the day, there is a good portion of the Spurs fan base that as much as they admit DeMar was good and they wouldn't mind him coming back, they would prefer that this young group of Spurs maybe become the all-NBA player as opposed to the former all-NBA player and DeMar sort of getting all those touches and taking away those reps. Okay, okay. And and, and what about you, Jay Hill? How did you feel about DeMar and his fit or his fit over there in the Spurs? Did it, did it feel a bit awkward to you, like how me and Carl were t- mentioning? I think for the first few years that that he was there, like Carl mentioned, he was great for the young guys. I mean, he was an all NBA player and, and obviously you wanted to get something back. It, it, he was a great return for all they could get with Kawhi at the time. And I think it was just a, a matter of 
he he came in. He he, you know, he did what he could. He was, uh, in my opinion, he was an all star level player while he was there. But taken away, I mean, I lo- I've always loved you know what Pop does with young players. I think they have a lot of young, good young talent, especially in his position in the backcourt with Dejounte Murray, with Derek White, to me- to name a few who are, you know, very talented scorers, very talented overall players. And it, like, like Carl said, he's taken away opportunities and looks that these these young guys could be getting. But while he was on the team, he's a great player. Uh, he's an all-star level player at one point in his career, but it was just simply, you know, time for him to go. And as they the Spurs look to transition to their future, and we've seen them, you know, moving towards that direction for the past two years. I think his time uh, over there had expired, and, and rightfully so. Um, to to just, you know, it was it was just time. So that, that's not how I feel about you know Demar and his you know Spurs tenure. Okay, okay, and and so let's just go ahead and transition on onto our next point. But let's let's stay on on the topic of Demar. So Carl, so Carl, let's talk about this huge sign and trade. That, that you guys pulled off was sending DeMar DeRozan to the Bulls for Thaddeus Young and Alfaro Kaminu, a protected first-round pick and two second-round picks. So, Carl, how, do you have any feeling about this trade? Was it more of a lateral move, or are you excited about any of these players? Well, it seemed to me that the Spurs went into day two of free agency with the intention of getting a starting caliber four. Uh, after signing, uh, reportedly, the, the money given to uh, Doug McDermott and Zach Collins. There was still a max slot available for maybe a John Collins. Obviously, he had something in the works where he signed that five-year, $125 million deal. So, obviously, Atlanta would have matched that. The Spurs, Intel, or uh, the agent were, was realistic enough with the Spurs to say, you're not going to get John Collins. And then uh, that's obviously a big part because Trey Young said, yeah, you better bring him back, Atlanta. So, uh, that, that's uh, that's understandable. And then I think Lowry Markinen, uh, as reports came out, was possibly on the Spurs radar, but he wanted a little bit too much money. So the Spurs decided to take on some expiring contracts. And yeah, Thaddeus is a very much a capable starting four in this NBA, a very good bet to have around this young squad because entering free agency, the players under contract for the Spurs made them the youngest roster in the NBA with an average age of like 23. So they, they wanted to make sure that they have a good bet there to be the, the forward veteran presence and not really take away any lead guard opportunities from DeJounte and Derek White. And uh, yeah, that was uh, also a good move to collect assets and not buy yourself into a contract that you might regret because if all of a sudden Lowry Markinen was, let's just say, asking for something around $22 million a year for four years and you're one year into it and you're having buyer's remorse, then you, you kind of wish you maybe did make take the Al Farouk Aminu and Thaddeus Young deal because now the Spurs will have back-to-back salary cap this year and next year. I think they're projected to have like $30 million uh, before the Lonnie Walker extension or re-signing. So uh, there's still a chance for the Spurs to add to this young group next year. And that's sort of what that DeMar DeRozan trade did, was they added a lot of assets. They got a starting four, and they probably will be able to make some moves in offseason next year or be able to absorb somebody into their cap, similar to how they sent uh, DeMar over to Chicago. They might be able to accept a sign and trade into that cap space. So, uh, looking forward to see what the Spurs do with it. I think that it was um, not a move that'll really 
blow you away. But if anything, uh, it could even potentially be a Ben Simmons playing card where, hey, maybe Thaddeus returns to the 76ers. You got to throw in Al Farouk Aminu to make that salary cap work. And uh, the three draft picks, like you said, are all up the general alley of what Daryl Morey's kind of looking for in return of uh, for Ben Simmons. It maybe comes down to, uh, if the Spurs are really willing to give up with one of their guys that they've drafted, because I know that they're pretty attached to each other. They're a, it's a, it's a good team chemistry building there. So uh, if worst case scenario, Thaddeus is a good player to have around that group. Yeah. And, and, and like how you mentioned, you know, it, it seems that as if the Spurs, what they're doing is, you know, they're setting this, this off season up for next off season. You know, they, they, they're going next off season or they might really swing for the fences and try to uh, try to set their team up for success. But also, you know, some, some things that, uh, that you mentioned, Carl, where, you know, you talked about some of the free agent signings in, uh, in, uh, in Zach Collins and Doug McDermott. And I want to, I want to, I want to get your, uh, your taste and, and what, how you're feeling on some of those players. So, I mean, we, we all know that Zach Collins, you know, very injury prone player hasn't played more than than 65 games since his rookie year so to you like it, it, is it worth uh, taking the risk on Zach Collins knowing like he might not be there you know for every game you know one thing that we love to say here on his podcast is the best type of ability is availability so it, it's just kind of hard for Zach Collins to not you know be missing so many games so to you Carl personally was that worth it to be uh, to signing Zach Collins you know, when you look at the reported breakdown of his contract, it's $7 million for the first year, all guaranteed. So if he gets healthy and breaks his way into the rotation and is the guy that, uh, you know, you were hoping the someone who's taken 10th overall could be, then it, it, that's a good signing. If uh, he doesn't turn out to be that guy, the next year is only half guaranteed. And then that final year is uh, no guaranteed money. So in a way, he also becomes an interesting trade chip because uh, if it doesn't work out, that's a very movable contract to where you can give salary relief. And also that can build up into uh, a, a player that maybe somebody else is willing to uh, see what kind of potential is left there. And uh, at, at the end of the day, it, that's a low risk, high reward kind of contract. They also brought in Jock Landale to sort of compete for the position at the uh, center there to help out Jakob Pertl. And uh, Landale is going to be one of those surprise European overseas uh, Spurs signings. He was over in Australia and he uh, is one of the best players in the national basketball league down there in Australia. He won the grand finals MVP as they call it. And uh, he's a floor spacing big man. So uh, they really beefed up their front court. They, they saw that last year they were a little undersized and now they addressed those issues by bringing in those two guys. And then McDermott obviously can be a three, four that you're comfortable bringing off the bench or starting. He's a knockdown shooter. He can cut to the rim and play off of screens. He doesn't need the ball in his hands too much to do what he needs to do. So yeah, it it was, they might not be the, uh, the biggest ratings on 2K, but they are definitely good pickups to build around this Spurs team. Absolutely, Carl. No, I think I think they did a great job uh, this this off season of you know getting those supplemental assets and, and really just building up the the, the pieces that they need uh, to, in order to to move six like forward in their future. But I, as I look at their roster, uh, I see 
I see a team that's definitely looking towards the future. Um, you know, obviously getting rid of DeMar, uh, they made it, you know, clear that they're, if they win this year, great. But if they don't and they're not competing to make the playoffs, then, then that's, that's okay. But as I look at their roster and if their direction is clearly they want to move, build for the future, what is your, you know, your stance on Pop? Because obviously, you know, he, he's aging. And, and as we saw in the Olympics, some of the things that he was doing, obviously that's Olympic basketball. There was complaints of, you know, how he was running his system and, you know, that, that the ball movement and things like that, that he's kind of, the game's kind of moving past him. What, what's your, if, if they're moving towards the future, do you think Pop is, how long, much longer do you see him as the head coach of the Spurs? And do you think that's something that's only he's going to retire on his own terms or it'll be the franchise's decision? Oh, yeah. When you're a legendary coach like Pop, you get to decide when you step away. And it, you never know when that'll be. He is 26 wins away from having the regular season all-time wins record as a head coach, which you have to assume is probably the most unbreakable record in NBA history at this point because you're just not going to see a 20-plus year coaching career where someone is as fortunate as Greg Popovich these days when we're firing coaches uh, even after a winning coach of the year. So uh, it, it, I do see what you're saying where Pop is the oldest coach in NBA history and he has one of the youngest rosters in the league. So um, where, where's the balance there? And, and the truth is he obviously still has the effort and energy to uh, put forth to coach and the, at the level that he wants to. There were some, uh, you know, uh, I think, in, in my opinion, uh, some false media reports just to kind of stir the pot and get some readers about what's going on with Pop and Team USA. But obviously they were able to shut all of that out and get through whatever differences they might have had behind the scenes and win a gold medal because that was uh, the toughest gold medal to win. Those guys had just come off of a really hard COVID season and they didn't have the typical training camp. They were just thrown together. And uh, obviously those exhibitions kind of made us uh, Americans a little nervous because it, they didn't mm -hmm. look that good. They didn't look like they actually understood the, the rules of FIBA with the spacing. There's no defensive three seconds. There's no defensive box, but uh you know, Pop is the one of the best coaches, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time. And he got them to figure out their issues. And they went on to defeat some of the best international talent that you've ever seen in the Olympics. So uh, obviously we're not talking about the stacked Spain team from 2012 and uh, not the Argentina team from 2004. But there were some really good teams out there that they were able to defeat on their way to the gold medal. And uh, that pretty much uh, the, the 26 wins that Pop has left in his coaching career to get to that uh, that record. If he decides to hang it up right after that, I will give him a standing applause because uh, if that's what he if that's what he's coaching for, I don't mind it one bit. He deserves to go out on his own terms, however he wants. Yeah, no, I agree. Popovich, uh, Greg Popovich, is a legendary coach, uh, and and I. I uh, I see why, you know, the Spurs would, would give him that opportunity to leave on his own terms because, I mean, he deserves it. Uh, the, the man can do no wrong, especially in San Antonio. So uh, as, as we kind of transition here, Carl, the, to our clutch talk timeout. So usually, you know, I ask who 
is the go-to player for the Spurs. Obviously, with DeMar DeRozan leaving, uh, I would, you know, would say, and it's clearly he was the number one option in clutch time and clutch minutes. So who for the who do the Spurs look to next year? Is it kind of by committee who's hot that night? Or or what what does it look like down the stretch in, in key moments? Who who are the Spurs going to, in your opinion, next season? That's the fun and scary question of this upcoming season. Uh, who is going to emerge as the best player? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, go-to clutch players is by a committee because that's how the Spurs play basketball. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not necessarily who's hot, but uh, who has the best shot. Uh, you, you know, Keldon Johnson is really coming into his own and uh, Derek, Derek White might be the best all-around player on the team. I think DeJounte Murray is the leader of this group. Um, and you have to see who maybe of those three is the one who takes the vocal reins. But even somebody like Lonnie Walker or Devin Vassell are ready to make steps forwards. Are they going to be all-NBA or all-star level players? You know, that remains to be seen. That, that At least not next year. I don't really see any of those guys – emerging as, uh, you know, role players, uh, starters, or uh, coming off of the bench being voted in by the players and coaches. But they will be making steps towards creating names for themselves in the league. And, uh, you know, Keldon Johnson seems to be potentially the most talented of the group. And you never know what might uh, pop up with Alani Walker, who uh, really has a lot of great scoring instincts and uh, can get out and defend when he's motivated. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and you know, Carl, uh, like how you mentioned, you know, you, st- you mentioning these uh, great things about Lonnie Walker, or Derek White, or Keldon Johnson, and, and even, the, you know, DeJounte Murray. And that actually leads me like perfectly to my, my my next question that I have here for you. So, you know, Carl, like the Spurs have a lot of options at the one and two in Murray, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, Trey Jones, Keldon Johnson, Dev, uh, uh, Devin, uh, Devin Vassell. Uh, you got you even got the rookie in, in Josh Primo. But my question to like the problem I'm seeing when I'm looking at the roster at the roster is these are all young guys. DeJounte Murray being the oldest of all at 24, which is still extremely young. And, you know, in my opinion, for the best way for a young player to grow is let them make mistakes, you know, go out there and, and let them do their thing. Let them play through the mistakes. But it's going to be hard to play through mistakes if you know you got somebody right off, right ready to get get your ass out, you know, if, if you're messing up. So uh, let me ask this to you, Carl. Like, does that concern you in any way, uh, the, grow, the growth and the development of these young guys? Do you Are you afraid that it would be hindered by um, them basically not being allowed to make any mistakes? You know, it's interesting when you talk about young guys, obviously, if you're looking at their age, they're young, but DeJounte Murray is entering his sixth year in the league. So uh, he's a very experienced 24 going on 25 year old. And yeah, obviously, they're going to make mistakes. But this will be their first opportunity to be primary options since they were with the Austin Spurs playing in the G League and D League for DeJounte Murray's case. So, yeah, like I said earlier, it's kind of the uh, fun yet scary part of how are these young guys going to uh, excel or maybe have a uh, bumpy road in the new roles that they're given because maybe with the exception of Jakob Pertl and Thaddeus Young, 
the entire roster is going to be in a new basketball situation that they have not previously been in where, uh, yeah, those, those shots and those opportunities and who's going to be the best defender or, or, and take the, the, last shot are all kind of up for grabs so yeah we we're gonna see a lot of what this young spurs team can do but uh, i really can't answer that question if uh if it's like oh hey uh, Dejounte's having not having a good night lonnie is does Dejounte get benched for lonnie that that's uh yeah that's a that's a greg popovich question good luck getting that out of him too <laughs> <laughs> for real man for real but okay all right so so, you know, Carl, as we're, as we're starting to wrap up here, um, you know, two questions that we love to ask here at the end is, is you know, first being where, where, do you guys, where do you see you guys finishing uh, next year? Because I know you mentioned earlier in the episode that it's kind of hard to pinpoint it exactly. But, you know, if everything goes as, as planned, where do, you, where do you think you guys will finish next year? And this is a special question just for you because the Spurs, you know, the special team, how long do you think until the Spurs can make the playoffs again? You know, uh, if we're counting the play in, I think the Spurs win 44 games and they're in that play in uh, area, the seven to 10 seed. And in the Western conference, you know, 44 wins might get you into that nine spot. <laughs> so it's uh it's always a uh, interesting question to ask if the Spurs are ready to, uh, become a playoff team and that that is a little bit of a homer pick because i'm sure everybody outside of san antonio is probably thinking that this is a team that'll end up with around 30 wins if not in the 20s but uh, they they really are ready to to make some noise as a young group and i think they have the potential to be better than a memphis maybe better than a uh, a Dallas, depending on what's going on with, uh, you know, the Kristaps Porzingis situation, he's always in and out of the injury list. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to have any illusions that they're going to be better than the Lakers or the Suns, but I, I could see them giving those teams a, a tough time. And uh, there's still a chance that they're better than the Pelicans. And uh, you just kind of look down the West. There's, there's a, Jamal Murray, who's going to be out for a good chunk of the year with that ACL tear. So is there a chance that they can maybe jock for position alongside a Denver that's a bit shorthanded? I, I believe there's a chance there. And if they could sneak into that sixth seed and not have to worry about the play-in tournament, that's roughly where I have them. If they can uh, get home court advantage in the first round, I would tell you that that's a cherry on top, and I wouldn't predict that. But uh, I would I would say that they have a chance to – end up anywhere from five to 10. So this will be the year where despite maybe losing all those guys that uh, have earned their bones in the league, it's time for these young guys to earn their bones. Okay. Okay. And, and last question here, what's one word that you would use to describe both last season and then one word that you would use to describe this upcoming 21, 2022 season about how you feel as a Spurs fan? Uh, last season was a grind uh, that, that that's the word grind because it, it was uh you know they were playing every other night uh, lots of back-to-backs you could just tell that they were tired and running out of gas by the end of the season and it really you know sucks because those guys they're playing uh high intensity cardio on hardwood running and jumping and uh everybody even those professional athletes deserve uh rest days and then this upcoming season exciting you know obviously the the spurs had that uh 
that boring moniker put on them back in the day when Tim Duncan was just doing everything uh, to win and uh, might not have been the most flashy, but winning was fun. But uh, if anything, this is a very young and athletic, exciting group uh, of Spurs. So I can't wait for the rest of the league to find out. And uh, if I had a dark horse to watch out for, Luka Shamanich could really be somebody who takes off for these young group, uh, young Spurs. As his real weakness was that he wasn't ready to play the NBA four from a physical standpoint. But uh, you know, he just joins a whole group of Spurs that are long and athletic and will be ready to get out and run. All right, all right, Carl. So I think that I think it's a good spot for us to go ahead and uh, enter here our closing segment we, we do on Clutch Talk called Guess the Player. Uh, this is how Guess the Player works, Carl. We, I have three players here listed. Both you and Jay Hill both have two guesses to uh, to guess the player I'm talking about. I have a couple of accolades, things that they did, things that they were known for, and um, and, and and yeah, man, and and that and you and Jay Hill both have two guesses to guess the player. You, you ready to do this? Sounds good. Let's give it a shot. Let's do this, man. Let's do this. Super excited. All right. So our first player we have here, this guy was a four-time scoring champion, a 11-time All-Star, a three-time All-Star game MVP, a one-time NBA MVP. Allen Iverson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ooh. Oh, okay. Just jump on in. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You could just yeah, just jump on in. You could just right. jump on in in the middle. If 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 you get it on if, on my first hint, gives it away. Just jump on in. All right. Sweet. Sweet. Okay. AI. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. All right. Cool. Okay. Yeah, all right. That, good. 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 Good job on that. All right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Next player here. Next player. This guy played for six NBA teams. He's a one-time NBA champion, a one-time NCAA champion, a one-time six-man of the year. He has a... What was that? Did I I, I just threw out the, ran, the first guy I could guess. James Posey? No, not James Posey, but that's a good guess. He, he's, along, he's along the lines of, of those players. He's along the lines. Okay, all right. He has a celebration after he hits a shot that is also named after an aircraft. Jason Terry. Jason Terry, the jet, the jet. The jet. Yeah. Oh, let's go. Oh, man. The jet, the jet. There you go. The All right. Jay yeah, Hill's on fire today. All right. <laughs> okay, let's get into this last player here. All right. This is what I'll say. This player was a very controversial player when he played. That, that's, the, that's the first hint I'll give. Very controversial. This guy was a five-time NBA champion, a two-time defensive player of the year, a two-time all-star, a seven-time all-defensive first-team member, a seven-time rebounding champion. Dennis Rodman. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. Right. Okay, yeah, 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 Rodman. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, it's just, I, I was going to guess Rodman as a joke as soon as you said controversial. <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking yeah, him yeah. or Ron or Tess. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is hilarious, man. That is hilarious, man. All right. Well, I think this is a good place for us to go ahead and, here and wrap it up, man. Carl, we, we really do want to thank you, both of us, me and Justin, we really want to thank you for uh, 
you coming on here and really like blessing us, blessing us with your time. And, you know, you're very, very knowledgeable, not just a Spurs fan, but an NBA fan, man. So uh, we just want to thank you once again, Carl, for, you know, making time and uh, talking about some Spurs here with us. Hey, it was fun. We'll have to do it again sometime during the season. We're only uh, we're, we're less than a month away from preseason starting, so I can't wait. Man, this season has been way too long. I mean, this offseason has been way too long. I just want the season to be here, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I can't wait. You know, as soon as that Ben Simmons trade is finally done, we can actually, you know, look into what this season might look like. But, yeah, they got to get that taken care of. <laughs> Most definitely, man. So, Jay, Jay Hill, you got any last words to say before we uh, clock out here? Uh, just like Carl said, the best, you know, looking forward to the season. And thank you very much for coming on, on the show, Carl. Absolutely. Hey, y'all have a good rest of your days, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's too. it. We out of here, y'all. Clutch talk out. Deuces. <laughs>